this drink of mine is getting uh, higher and higher uh, uh, percentage Bacardi and lower, lower percentage <laughs> of uh, seltzer water here as I go. Ladies and gentlemen, and everybody in between, welcome back to this week's episode of Grammy-nominated podcast, Bands, Beers, and Buzzwords. Uh, I'm your host, John Paglisotti, and today I have with me, tonight I have with me, Mr. Robert Sandless. How are you doing, Robert? I'm doing well. Hell yeah. Uh, We have some really cool music to talk about today, Uh, something I'm really excited for. Robert, what uh, album did you pick? We are going to be listening to slash more just talking about Cursor Branches by Mr. David Bazan. Hell yeah, dude. This is a sick one. I'm excited for it. But before we jump in, I do have to shout out uh, Redefining Records. This podcast is a member of the Redefining Records uh, multimedia ecosystem. Uh, If you enjoy what we're talking about here uh, and you like the sound of Mr. Robert Sandless's voice, he does oh, so have an episode sensual. so sensual we do he does have an episode we do actually we both do have episodes on uh andrew schultz's podcast sounds for thought also part of the redefining records uh multimedia ecosystem uh robert talks about his own music on that pod super sick uh, if you like what you're hearing today go check that out while you're at it subscribe to redefining records or follow them i guess on on instagram uh, subscribe to this pod on Spotify, Apple, whatever you're on. Uh, follow me, Delta Dagger Music, on Instagram. I post updates for the pod there. And Robert, do you have a social you want to shout out? Yeah, you could follow me on uh, the only one I have, which is uh, Spurts Music. It's my band's Instagram. I don't use it, but it exists. So follow the likeness of me on Spurts Music. There you go. Perfect. Let's jump into music news. All right, today in music news, actually, okay, disclaimer. So the music news here is very late breaking. Like this episode, it's it's what uh, the eleventh. It's one eleven today. One eleven today, big uh, day, I guess. Um, this shit's probably not going to come out till like February, March, probably. Um, so Ooh. this is really late breaking, anyways. So we're gonna yeah, little room for error here. Yesterday in music news, because this is a big deal. Yesterday in music news, Steely Dan co-founder Donald Fagan was born in 1948. Uh, Steely Dan has sold over 40 million albums and was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2001. Uh, Quote from Mr. Fagan, as jazz fans, it was amusing to us to play jazz harmonies on these big, ugly electric guitars. Uh, Robert, uh, are you a fan of Steely Dan? I, I have to say I am not. But I am aware that you are a very big fan. And I know that Jacob is a pretty good fan, a pretty big fan. Oh, is Jacob into the Dan? I believe so. I believe I've talked to him about um, like specific, he's specifically referenced bass lines, like Steely Dan bass lines. 
Oh, of so, course, dude. So, um, yeah. What's his name? Uh, Rainy. Mr. Rainy. What's his first name? Mr. Rainy. Yeah, on like Peg and stuff. Oh, man. And Walter Becker's bass playing. For, oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. So Put you got to talk to Mr. Jacob about this. And hopefully I'm not wrong. I know I have a bass playing friend who's into Steely Dan as well. It has to be Jacob. It's got to be, man. Yeah. I'm going to I'm going to bring this up. Maybe I'll try and find some Steely Dan news uh, to talk to him about because we're planning on doing an episode uh, like two weekends from now, I think. Can um, I interject with uh, a non-music news thought about Jacob yeah. Acosta? Yeah. I was talking to Jacob Acosta two nights ago. Um, we were doing actually a This Is Napoleon band Zoom. It just happened to be that. Um, and I was like, yo, I'm going to be on John's podcast. And Jacob's like, that fucker, he hasn't invited me on that podcast yet. Um, and he was like, <laughs> We came up with this, like, we didn't come up with it, but it was like, he was talking to me about it on my podcast, and I thought it was a great idea, and he never invited me. And I was like, oh, I'm going to have to give him shit about that. And then uh, he looked at his phone while we were talking. He's like, nope, he invited, invited me. him. He yep. invited me. I forgot to reply. <laughs> um, yep. So um. <laughs> I promised him I would give him shit on the air to you about that. So that's this me is, doing that up front right the- now. This is the public call out of J- Jacob Acosta. Well, he, we decided upon a date, so oh, we did. did he reached out. Yeah, yeah. Well, we had already talked. We had already decided upon an album and everything. Really, um, he has the worst memory then. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, bass players. Hey, here's a good one. Uh, how many bass players does it take to screw in a light bulb? How many? None. The keyboard oh. player does it with his left hand. Oh, oh! <laughs> Fuck the I, bass guitar. <laughs> I may have said that on Will's episode. I forget. Anyways, uh, yes, I would give him shit for that on the air. Jacob's actually a great guy, though. Um, but hey, got to stop you. You said your first buzzword. Uh, oh. Name a band that you used to be in. Oh, okay. So let me let me get the sound of me opening beer, okay? Yeah. That was a good one. That was really solid. Yeah. I'm proud that of that That was really one. solid. Um. I'll intro the game now for anybody just tuning in. Um, the way it works, the buzzwords in the title. Basically, I have a, a bingo card here of 20 buzzwords. These are words and phrases, musical tropes, uh, that if Robert says them, he has to drink. Um, I encourage the listeners at home to drink along as well, responsibly. Responsibly. Uh, we are not responsible for any... Uh, you know, injuries or anything that might occur. Uh, so drink along. It's super fun. Uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to cut now. I will cut in what all of this week's buzzwords are so that you, the listener, will be omniscient. You will hear uh, when I'm trying to bait him into one, but there's nothing you can do about it. It's really fun. I'm going to cut now. This week's buzzwords are name another Pedro the Lion member. Use an onomatopoeia. Talk about your middle school music taste. Mention a time signature other than 4-4. Mention a specific guitar. Mention a band you used to be in. Refer to an album made post-1990 as a record. Use the phrase ahead of its time. Recite lyrics. Mention the Beatles. Mention Modest Mouse. Say the word drink. Mention a part of a drum kit. Tell a drinking story. Describe a sound as warm. Mention a music video. Mention folk punk. Use super as a prefix. 
say vintage and say creepy. All right, welcome back. Uh, so those are the buzzwords for the week. Uh, like I said, Robert just hit the one name of band you used to be in. Uh, but real quick, man, off of that tangent, uh, you mentioned this band. Why don't you tell us who you are and why we should trust you? I am uh, Mr. Robert Ulysses Sandless. I am uh, a dude. That's who I am. Um, I play music. I play guitar, bass, drums, piano, ukulele, um, probably something else in there as well. Um, I teach music. Um, uh, I teach music via the name Anywhere Music Lessons. If you want to learn any of those lessons or any of those instruments I just named, come find me at Anywhere Music Lessons. Um, I also am in a few bands. Uh, my main thing right now is called Spurts. Um, it is me and some buddies, but really largely me, me and my buddy Nathan. Um, but yeah, that's who I am, and I like music, and I think I have good taste. So trust me. There you go. I think you do too. That's why I brought you on the pod. And uh, anyone listening here, I command you to listen to Robert and trust him. Okay, there's they're gonna listen to you. You're the. Host. <laughs> This is my pod. (laughs) You'll do as I say. All right. Um, No, that's a great intro. And uh, hell yeah, I have uh, played shows with Robert and jammed with Robert uh, and had so much goddamn fun doing it. He has shown me some of Mr. Bazan's music here uh, from time to time, and uh, it has stuck with me. It's been cool stuff. Um, I was going to say, too, I'm excited for this episode because I did take some notes specifically on a little bit of music theory. And as a music teacher, I think that's a perfect kind of, you know, any of the viewers here, if you were listeners here, if you're listening and you hear any music theory that doesn't make sense to you, uh, guess what? Robert can teach you that. Oh, so, yeah. 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 Um, I think that's enough. Wind up. Uh, what album did you pick? I picked Cursor Branches by David Bazan. It is his first full length solo album. That's awesome, dude. This was a really fun record for me to listen to. And I'll be honest, it took me a little off guard at times. I was happily surprised by parts of it. So I got to ask you. Yes. Uh, why did you choose this record? Uh, man, what a loaded question that is. Because um, I know it was a process for you. Yeah. So when I first heard this podcast, I'm like, that's sick. I want to do this. This sounds super fun. Um. But then I was instantly like, oh, no, what, what album do I pick? Um, and I oscillated between a few. Uh, there were a few I, I wanted to do and I could talk about for hours, but I thought would be like too cliche. Like, um, I could talk about In the Airplane Over the Sea by Nutramental for like ever, but I thought that would be so hackneyed. Like, I get it. Like, everyone gets it. Um, uh, I could talk about Pinkerton by Weezer for hours, but also oh, yeah. that's been done. I think everyone, the internet is full of that. I don't think you need that. Um, so I was like, who is someone who like means a lot to me, but is relatively unknown. I mean, this guy's not unknown, but like he's smaller. Um, and Mr. Dave Bazan is the guy. He's like just the best lyricist I have ever come across. Um, and then I had a really difficult 
time narrowing down the album because this guy has between his solo stuff and like his actual bands he has like 15 albums i'm gonna guess it's a ballpark um i was stupid enough to even ask john at some point like can i just give you a playlist of bazan like just a playlist and he was like no you gotta pick an album um so i picked cursor branches uh largely because it's damn personal it's like some real good songwriting it's really vulnerable it's um a huge shift in this guy's career too um and it means a lot to me as a guy who grew up hyper religious and is now hyper not yes dude okay i took a lot of notes uh regarding like a lot of religious imagery on this um yeah i want to ask john you don't did you grow up religious at all yes i uh i grew up catholic um, okay i uh you know, I like I have a confirmation name and stuff, like for sure, for sure. Okay, yeah. cool. Then this so probably like, hits. Yeah, man. There were a number of songs on here. I don't know if you just want to jump right into a couple. I'm down with it if you are, but um, I know, yeah. like for instance, uh, Harmless Sparks. Dude, Harmless Sparks uh, is heavy, super heavy, hitting home for me. Like very obviously, like right off the bat, calling out, kind of insinuating that these. Uh, priests are having these affairs with nuns and then uh but having the affair with the nun is stopping them from like abusing children i i fully picked up on that is that is that what that song's about i don't read that as the lyric there to be honest um okay i think it, it could be taken that way um certainly it is um it's a bitter song i would say there's a lot of bitter songs on this album but i would say that that is of the 10 songs in this album, I would say that's like top two or three most bitter songs on this album is Harmless Sparks. Um, I don't I don't know how to read the lyric you're talking about. Um, right. But I think that's valid. However, yeah. you read it. Yeah, that's I mean, that's where my mind went. I went kind of to the most extreme uh, position you could take there. Uh, but what's funny is you bring up the point of David Bazan being a highly talented lyricist. And that's something that, I, you know, throughout this whole album and, and every song you've shown me by him in the past, too, is um, like he very much like every line of his is kind of this like double entendre. It's like he's he's telling two sides of the same story at once. It's really unique how he does that. Yeah, he's uh, an unparalleled lyricist. Um. I had my sister years ago referred to Bazan as having this characteristic of uh, of writing songs that like had one subject matter in the verses, but then would in like s just invert itself at the chorus and make you think about the l verses totally differently once you reach the chorus. Right. Um, and I think that's definitely a thing he does. I think it's less prevalent on this album, um, but he's a phenomenal lyricist that you could a lot of these songs can be taken metaphorically in many different ways and literally in a lot of other ways as well. Um, but I feel like before I, I say anything more, I feel like I need to just like back up a bit for people yeah. who don't know this guy at all. Yeah. Um, for sure. So David Bazan is a singer songwriter dude out of Seattle. Um, he was in a bunch of hardcore bands in Seattle in the early nineties. Um, and then he formed 
his first, I think it was his first like leading band. I, I could be wrong on that, but like Page of the Lion, I think formed 96, I believe. Um, Page of the Lion was, I, I compared to uh, Sabado, I always say that wrong. Sabado, uh, it's the side project of Dinosaur Jr. Um, in its early days. Uh, it's very, excuse me, I just burped from that little bit of beer I already had. <laughs> uh, uh, is there a taking a, a drink for burping? I'm going to make that a thing. Uh, th- yeah, there's not, but you can totally do that. Yeah, I'm doing that. I, um, this thing is very much your own thing. I uh, Jack McCain was on previously, and his he surprised me on air by letting me know he was going to be taking a shot for every single one, and and he hit like eleven or twelve or some shit like hardcore. That. Yeah, yeah, hardcore. So, yeah, do what you want, man. It's it's kind of whatever drinking rules you want to do. Um, cool. I'll get fucked. No. <laughs> um, uh, words that what they saying. Oh, so Page of the Lion. Yeah. yeah. Formed Page of the Lion, uh, mid to late 90s. Um, definitely early stuff was like slow core, was like the genre. It was like uh, very lo fi. Um, all songs were really slow. Um, the content of the songs were pretty religious. Bazan had a Christian pastor dad, evangelical pastor dad. And always grew up in a very strictly religious household. But he kept that throughout Page of the Lion. And the first few Page of the Lion albums um, were, had some religious overtones. They weren't like outright religious, but there were definite like pro-Jesus mentions throughout them. Um, and uh, he was largely the only member, too. I know in the early days he was trying to like make it a full-on band, but it never stuck. So he kept cycling through different members in the early days. Um, as the Pedro albums progressed, uh, he got darker and darker content-wise. It was more openly questioning his like religious background, but still firmly staying with it. Um, you can see that a lot on albums like Control or Achilles Heel. Um, like he went so far as like late stage pager albums pager the line albums got really fucked up like he had lyrics in there about like there was one song that referenced the holy ghost like the holy spirit but it said like the holy spirit's begging you to shut the fuck up it's a, a verbatim lyric and it's like whoa but you're a christian singer right um he had a few other members too in Page of the Lion in the latter days. Pretty much his only other member was T.W. Walsh, um, which was kind of his drummer, but also he played keys on records and some guitar. So it was like kind of the two of them by the end of the project. But then circa 2004, after Achilles' heel, uh, Bazan started to lose his religion. Um, He also had a real bad drinking problem around that time. Um, And uh that culminated in like this climax of of Pedro the Lion falling apart and I think it was 2005 or 2006 Pedro the Lion played a Christian music festival uh in which it was supposed to be a dry festival um like no alcohol no drugs and <laughs> this is a famous incident that is well documented online um Bazan played the show with a milk jug full of vodka 
on his page and killed it during the Page of the Lion set. And I don't know, I, there's, I don't know if he finished it, but I know he was like fucked. Um, so it like tumultuous period of time in the mid 2000s for this guy. Um, he ditched the, he ditched the name. He got in, he had some creative control issues with his quote unquote other band member, T.W. Walsh. Um, and then he like kind of disappeared. And that was a big deal because he was on like the up and up. Uh, he was as page of the Lion, he was getting a lot of traction in the early 2000s. Like he was, he came from the same scene as like death cab for cutie. He's personal good friends with Ben Gibbard. Um, and he was page of the Lion was going up and up and then he, he broke it off. And then that all sets the stage for this album that we're about to talk about. Wow. That is a, that is an incredible introduction for this band. Uh, A lot of that I didn't even know personally. I didn't realize uh, they were kind of a like uh, Christian or at least Christian uh, adjacent kind of band. Uh, I got to say you hit four. Jesus. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Let me know. What were they? Name another Page of the Lion member. Okay. Uh, say the word drink. Uh, recite lyrics and tell a drinking story. Okay. Let me take another. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to hit mine too. Um, but here's the thing. I, I want to talk to you about some shit. I actually have a specific song uh, in mind that I want to talk to you about from what I assume is Page of the Lion's later days. I want to talk about the song based on what you just said. I really want to talk about the song Fewer Broken Pieces. Yeah, that uh, is a real good song. Off of Fewer Moving Parts. That one um, was the first song of his that you showed me that uh, really hit home as like a very uh, direct, very autobiographical song. Like all of his lyrics are pretty vulnerable and pretty like real, you know, like he kind of reminds me of like Isaac Brock a little bit in that sense. But this one in particular was like so pointed. And to me, it's so obvious that he's singing to his uh, current slash uh, maybe by that time, former bandmates in, in uh, Pedro the lion. Like, I don't really know. I think that's one of his solo ones, but he's like, kind of like shooting at his like former bandmates being like you know here i'm yeah i'm having problems with creative control i want to be running the show uh you know fewer moving parts means fewer broken pieces like i I just it just wanted to be me i do regret it i fucking feel bad about this like i realize i've been an asshole but also like this is the new way like it was so interesting to me to hear that um i feel like so many musicians like you can think of the kind of Lennon and McCartney beef or uh, Morrissey, Johnny Martin. There's so many goddamn music beefs and it's so rare to hear a guy just come out and fucking say it. Just be like, look, I'm a, I'm a prideful guy to an extent and I'm fucking clashing with you. And here's that, like, he's just so raw about it. I don't know. I I just wanted to hear your thoughts on that as I've only listened to that song a couple of times. I wanted to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah. So I absolutely love that song. That's off his first EP. Um, solo. So that came out like directly after he broke up the quote unquote band. And the band at that point was him, T.W. Walsh, which was like the only guy who was ever on more than one album. Um, and then I, Casey Fulbert, I believe was the name of the bass player at the time. Like he was a buddy who exists in the Bazan sphere. Um, and uh, they 
broke up. He stopped Pedro for a variety of reasons. He stopped it because he he wasn't religious anymore and he didn't want to be associated, I think, with some of the songs he had written earlier. He stopped also because uh, he, he talked quite a bit about like the songs that he was writing just didn't seem to fit the moniker anymore. And so between his first solo thing and Page of the Line, he did another project called Headphones. And that was his first electronica project, which he's done many of. Um, uh, but him and T.W. Walsh clearly had problems about like who was in Pedro. I think Bazan, by the time T.W. Walsh was in it, he didn't conceive it as a band. He was like, this is me under a name. And I think T.W. Walsh wanted it to be more of a collaborative process. Because on the, on the last Pedro the Lion album, T.W. Walsh is credited to, like, I think, have written, like, two songs, at least, like, on the album, or just his. Um, and I think they had problems with that. So the song Fewer Broken Pieces is phenomenal. It's, a, it's a, just like a blunt, hey, I, have, I feel bad about breaking up this band because we were going places, but I'm just not happy about the way it was run. Um, and it's... It, it it touches his issues with with like control. It touches his religious undertones a little bit in that song. Um, in fact, I would have the the EP itself is called. Uh, oh, I always get this wrong. The EP is fewer broken parts. The album is song called fewer moving pieces, I believe, or it's it's that or the other way around. I always get them confused. Um, someone will fact check me or something. Um, <laughs> Uh, and I would have talked about that EP had it been more than an EP because every song on that EP is gold. It's so good, but it's only five songs. And I want to talk about more songs with John. Um, if, if you listen to nothing else beyond the album we're talking about today, I would listen to that single song, uh, fewer moving pieces. Um, it's, it's soulful. It's angsty. It's real. Um, it's great. Yeah, I agree with that. That's that's one reason I wanted to touch on it is because it is such a contextual piece for like his solo work. Like you, you, it's that's like kind of his like manifesto in a sense. Like you, you have to hear that. Um, that chorus so. too. The I love the the turn of phrase of um. Uh, oh, it's. Oh, how does the the song go all of a sudden? Um, like he's like, I I regret it, but I don't. And uh, I but think you that can I'd be bigger or some right like. Well, let me like pull them up exactly because you yeah, can yeah. It, you're you can choose how to interpret those lyrics. Yeah, the like, way he pauses, you don't know if the sentence ends in the line yeah, before exactly, right? or if he. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a great one. You can, it's where you put that like the word "don't" or something. It's you can end the sentence with it or start the next sentence with it, and it changes the meaning of the song. I forget. Yeah, pull pull that shit up, man. That's that's okay. worth looking at exactly. Yeah. Um. Uh. So the, the chorus of the song is, I still run the show, don't you forget it. So I had to let some go, don't think I don't regret it, because I do, and I don't, think I'm better off alone. So the way you can break up those sentences, because there's no punctuation, it's a song, it's a poem. Right. <laughs> uh, you can interpret it many, many different ways. And especially the way the melody works with, because I do, and I and don't. I don't. Yeah. Think I'm like, better off alone. It's it's yeah. ambiguous. It's like 
because I do believe this, but I also don't believe this. Fuck, I'm questioning myself. But if you read it as I do, and I don't think I'm better, like he he he's like hammering it home the other way. It's fuck. It was so good, man. It's a yeah. very good song. And then we get to that bridge, which is fewer moving parts means fewer broken pieces. With every other start requires a brand new thesis, which is the brand new thesis is like, I'm over Pedro. Like Pedro the Lion's in the past. I'm moving on to whatever I'm doing in the future. And his initial, uh, his initial uh, outputs under his own name was actually under the name uh, David Bazan's Dark Cloud. Um, I mean, I think referencing exactly like he was in a dark place. He had a pretty severe drinking problem. He wasn't religious anymore. His family like damn near disowned him. Um, that's like, once again, we're still just like setting up to this album. This is like a dramatic climax that's like this album is the resolution to. Yeah, because I was going to say that song stuck out to me as like, you know, as someone who's been in a band before, I, I had to put myself in the shoes of him. One is like the first place you go, but two, like in the shoes of his bandmates hearing that song, like I would have been fucking furious hearing that shit. I would have been like, fuck you, you egotistical bastard. Like, you know, but also like in his shoes, uh, depending on your reading of the song, it's like, yeah, sometimes you do need to break out on your solo shit and kind of, uh, yeah, it's like it's it's interesting how he he walks that line and kind of plays both sides of it. It it it's you know it's it's something me as a musician I get. I'm sure you too. You're a musician. You get it. Like you know you get how it goes. So it, it yeah it 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 was one that stuck out to me for sure. Yeah, it's a it's a phenomenal song, and I recommend anyone listening who doesn't know that song or this guy check out that song. It's a it's a this guy is a hard guy to weigh in, like just start to weigh into because he's released an insane amount of music and he has such a this crazy trajectory of a career. Um, but if you're going to start anywhere, possibly here on that song. Sure. Um, but uh, well, I guess jump into the main album. The album. Yeah. yeah. So the album is called Curse Your Branches. Um, and it was his first formal coming out as saying like, hey, I'm no longer religious. Certainly, like he, he didn't, he didn't want Page of the Lion to be considered a Christian band. Like even when he was religious, he's like, no, I'm a guy. I happen to be a Christian, but like that doesn't define the music I make. Like per album, he'd have one or two references to being religious, but he would also cuss and reference like drinking throughout albums too. So it wasn't like super Christian. He just was a Christian. Um, and he was invited to play Christian festivals and stuff. Uh, this album was whenever he formally was like, I'm over that shit. Um, and it's a heavy handed album. If you're not, if you don't come from this background, if you don't come from a religious background, you're probably not going to connect with this album as I do or as his fans do. Um, it's, it's damn heavy handed. Um, the album opens with uh, Hard to Be, which is like a pretty ethereal, pretty epic introduction to like, <laughs> this is going to sound so over the top, but like humanity, <laughs> it's an introduction to humanity almost. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I, that seems stupid to say it like that. Like this is bigger than it is, but it's a big song. It's a big album. It's six minutes, 23 seconds as an album opener on an album. That's only it's 10 songs. and It's only 38 minutes. And this is, 
takes up I, six minutes, 23 seconds of it. Yeah, it's a sizable over. chunk That's, of it. Yeah. That is, yeah, that is big. Um, But uh, it's it's a big, it's a big heavy song that uh, the the chorus is just talking about how it's um, it's hard to be a decent human being, uh, and it's it's doubting uh, all like it's doubting the biblical story of creation is largely what the song is, um, but it's it's done in a very uh, I don't know it's it's clever it it by the third verse he's out and out saying that like i'm out i'm out of the church it's the beginning of the third verse is uh i swung my tassel to the left side of my cap knowing after graduation there'll be no coming back yeah Um, i remember that line that's so funny what's funny is i i picked up on a lot of the religious imagery throughout here but i never put that together that it was his kind of leaving the church what's funny is uh having heard like uh, fewer moving pieces, uh, fewer broken parts. Like, I figured this was his album about like leaving his old band behind. That's like what I took away. From oh yeah, so there's there's that's elements so of that funny. in this. Yeah, there's oh, for sure, for sure. But it yeah, it, that's so funny. I I didn't even see that side of it. It's like I did pick up religious imagery. I mentioned earlier a couple songs. We'll talk about that later. But I did for sure hear religious imagery. But it uh. Wow, that's that's funny. I want to listen to this album again now and like listen for that more uh, more keenly. Yeah, it's. I would say if this album, I mean, as I said, this is a heavy-handed album. It's not to be like this is chill listening. Like this is a guy kind of bearing his soul for ten songs. Um, and this is like much heavier than I would say. Like maybe any of the other Bazan releases, and some of those get heavy, but this is probably the heaviest. Um, and I'd say that the three prongs of this album are. I'm over religion. I'm over the strike, the stress and the strife this has caused me and my family. His wife was religious and this caused huge issues in their marriage. Like, um, but like I'm over religion. It's him grappling with his own drinking problem, which is referenced many a time on this album. And the third thing is, uh, occasional references to I'm no longer in a band. I'm kind of on my own. Like, what am I doing? yeah definitely Uh, there's a lot it's and it's 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 pretty heavy but i think something about the album as a whole feels refreshing i don't know it it somehow uh achieves this heaviness without me feeling necessarily as bogged down as you might expect with some of this content um i don't know there's just some sort of clarity to this album that i think the album cover somehow somehow uh communicates to me the album cover is is i have it in my hand the lp it's in my hand everyone Um, physical medium people physical medium keep it alive go go buy a record someone go buy a book (laughs) is this a record this this is a record i'm going okay refer to an album made post 1990 as a record is a buzzword oh oh that one i had a feeling that was coming because that's been used several times yeah, it's like about half of these are recycled and about half of them are unique. So it's you never know what's coming. Um, but I was going to say, yeah, shit. So um, it's funny because I went down. I actually I, I sent you a video. Uh, I don't know if you saw it on the Spurts account, but I was I did. down. You saw that? Maddie had to pull it up. Maddie had to pull it up because I don't use Instagram. I am so averse to social media. 
That's good. Fuck Instagram, dude. But okay. No, actually, follow me and Robert on Instagram. Okay. But uh, anyways, and redefining records. Okay. But I sent you that video because I was down in the fucking back bay right here, the upper Newport Bay, uh, listening to this album one last time. And it was so pleasant. Like, it's like, even though the lyrics are so goddamn heavy, uh, it's really pleasant to just sit there and vibe out to it, like out in nature or something. It it reminds me... Um, it reminds me of the Smiths in a way. I don't know. Do you listen to the Smiths? I did at some point. I can't say I was ever a big Smiths fan, but it, that was like a thing probably late high school. Like I had it on like playlists and I, 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 I know some I'm, I'm familiar. Sure. Yeah. I, cause to me, for instance, the song, please baby, please, uh, is so reminiscent to me of the Smith songs, Rush Home Ruffians which I think is off of what their second album meat is murder. I think uh, meat is murder is the one that I've listened to like probably the most of the Smiths. Okay. Um, I'm pretty again, sure not many times. that one has like headmaster ritual and rush home ruffians. I'm pretty sure is on that record, but it's got this uh, Johnny Mars on his acoustic guitar doing this little upbeat thing. And then is, uh, you're right. I just uh, looked it up. Yeah. What's their bass player? Mick, Mick Joyce is their bass player. Fact check me on that. That seems like a fake name. <laughs> no, 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 Mick Joyce. That's like that's like seven different British rockers' names combined. Right? Yeah, no way. That's exactly what I was thinking. Uh, I'm pretty sure Mick Joyce is their bass player. He might have been their drummer. I forget. But uh, he his bass line on Rush Home Ruffians so much reminds me of the bass line on this fucking one. Uh, please, baby, it's a cool bass line. Such a cool bass line, and it's got that uh, early Smiths like super upbeat. Uh, music with like absolutely depressing lyrics. Um, yeah, m- more than anyone on this album. This that one's this song isn't about religion. This one more than anyone else. This one is about his drinking problems. Yes, like, I I oh, had the line. I literally wrote it down. Uh, like um, he mentions um, you know he he's three days sober begging for a drink. Please, baby, please. And then uh, he talks about like uh, you know driving drunk and killing a mother of three. Like oh, it's so dark. Like it what, brought that, up to me that uh, that the Smiths like they they are so dark and and gross and horrible. But the music is so upbeat and bubbly and Brit pop and I don't know that Smith, that's, that's all new wave, right? All new yeah. wave. <laughs> like yeah. just like oh, this is pleasant. And then you find out like oh no, the singer killed himself. And it's like oh, yep, <laughs> yep. But yeah, please, baby, please, especially that that lyric at the end where he's referencing like driving drunk and killing someone. That's supposed to be his daughter. Oh, I think at least, at least as I read that narrative in the song is because he's like, what what example is my setting for my daughter? Um, so yeah, please, baby, please is a is a dark one. Fun fact, you can. So here's a here's a weird one. This album was released in two. Th- oh, wow. I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess before I look it up and say that this album was released like 2008. Um, Let me turn around. 2009. Okay. So this was released before Father John Misty was Father John Misty. But Josh Tillman, the man of Father John Misty, sings backup on this album. Oh, interesting. Um, And you can hear him pretty prominently in Please Baby Please. He's doing the harmonies. I was going to say, uh, I noticed the harmony on this one. And then what I also noticed is like throughout this album, you hear little elements of like, you know, proto Father John Misty, 
proto, even like lumineers, like uh, the kind of hand clap, verbed out, acoustic, uh, chorus kind of. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's folky, but it's kind of, uh, it's a little more edgy than folk. It's like folk. It's like, I don't know how to describe it. Well, it's like folk, but more edgy. How, how would you say it? I don't know. I, I am almost insulted by the Lumineers reference, to be honest. <laughs> well, okay, I know. Lumineers, okay, fuck Lumineers. But you get what I mean. It's like the verbed out, hand clap, chorus-y, uh, you know, they, they, there's the chorus of vocals. It's like, that's a trope the Lumineers took to like a ridiculous end. Okay? Yeah. But I hear like the, the seeds of that here, you know, it's like David Bazan used it in an artful way and then it was taken to like a ridiculous end there but uh it's something that i did notice like that's something that i don't know lumineers were what like 2013 2014 it's like a couple years later that became like a big pop kind of trope and like he's using it here but it's it's like folk um folk like how would you say like edgy folk Folk. I don't know. Um, anti-folk is a term. I don't think I would refer to anti this it quite as anti-folk. No, um, it's more folk, but like fast-paced. Uh... I know that. Um, I know that during this time, I remember this because I remember seeing like buying a ticket to see him around this time. I know his website described him. Uh, whenever you went to davidbazan.com circa 2010-ish or so, um, it would say David Bazan, and it would say folk slash goth slash never give up. That okay. was his genre. He titled himself around this time, folk, goth, never give up. I don't know what well, that means. So what, would you, so what would you call like Andrew Jackson Jihad? Oh, Andrew Jackson Jihad gets damn close to anti-folk. Um, I feel like, but uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily, I mean, there's, there's definitely moments where these guys, where you could make a parallel, I think on this album, something like that. There is. Um, okay. I'm going to, I'm going to come clean, man. I'm trying to bait you into saying the phrase folk punk. Uh, oh, got it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Wow. Okay. Did not get that. Um, like I folk, would, but edgy, bro. Like, you know, what I mean? edgy, <laughs> you know, edgy, what would you call that, man? You're right. I don't know why I didn't say folk punk for Andrew Deck and Jihad. That's the most. Sean really. Th- that was like I thought you were gonna catch me on that one. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's no, like, too obvious. Honestly, I forgot we were even playing a game here. <laughs> I know, man. You hadn't hit one in a while, so I was like, I'm gonna bait him into one. All right, fuck that. I'm gonna bait you into one right now. What kind of guitar did David Bazan play? Oh shit! I don't even know if I know this. I mean, if I just name a guitar, that might be what the thing yeah, is. Yeah, just wait, um, take a wild guess. Well, I think around this time, I when I saw him, I mean, when I saw him, he was playing acoustic. Um, but I've seen him play. I've seen him play like a lot of parts casters. He plays a lot of like weird, um, like hybrid guitars. Um, uh, he had a jazz master, I believe, for a bit. Do I drink now? Did yeah, I just uh, mention a specific guitar is one of the yeah. buzzwords. So we'll call it okay. jazz master. All right. Uh, so let me ask you, what is your favorite track on the album? Oh, damn. God damn. That's hard. Um, I can give. So I'll tell you real fast. I think the one that is quote unquote the hit from this album, which this is not an album of singles or hit at all, hits at all. But the one that I see the most pop up around 
media online is um, the seventh track, Lost My Shape. Um, I've seen that covered by a lot of pretty big musicians. I know Tallest Man on Earth did a really cool cover of that on KEXP one time. Um, but I don't know if that's my favorite. I think if I had to pick a favorite right now, I might pick track two, Bless This Mess. Um, and I think that's largely because I think that's the most bitter, angry song on that album. And I, that's kind of why I like this album. Um, that album's like, or that song's refrain of every time a verse starts with, God bless this blank, um, is pretty powerful, especially when it gets to the end and it's just dark. Um, like the last verse is, uh, God bless the man at the crossroads. God bless the woman who still can't sleep. God bless the history that doesn't repeat. Like, I'm not even entirely sure what he's referencing, but it's, it's, it's edgy and it's, it, it makes me feel something. So I'll pick that as like potentially my favorite. But then the other caveat I'll give is um, for years, I would have counted Harmless Sparks as my favorite on this album. Because um, as we referenced earlier on in this podcast, Harmless Sparks is like a real, real dark, bitter song. And I love when Harmless Sparks comes in with um, the organ that like is marauding and is oscillating real low. Uh, and it's just, it's like, it's, it's angry and it's over. It's so over religion, <laughs> like the yeah. sound of the organ. Yeah, that's interesting. It's, it's cause he does use, he does make very good use of the organ on this album. And it's something again, I'll have to listen back to now with like kind of a new perspective of like, uh, like the religious undertone of the organ, right? Like that's, that's such. Oh, a, certainly. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that was lost on him. Yeah. Absolutely. It's funny because uh, Harmless Sparks seems to segue into not quite a medley, but segues into uh, When We Fell, which if we're talking religious imagery, it's like when we fell, it could be like Garden of Eden or there's the, you know, like uh, there's a number of ways you could look at that religiously. But that one kind of took me by surprise. I had a little star next to that one because he breaks into almost a 12 bar blues, like kind of he has this bluesy riff yeah. and he's uh he's using a lot of religious imagery talking about his halo and stuff uh seemed to be referencing the previous song um and and yet he's doing this really upbeat kind of bluesy riff and i thought it was kind of fun like especially at the end he he uh ends the song and uh whoever's there the studio engineer says wait do you want to stop short like that like you can hear like the the um you know the Kind of crossover in the studio, the commentary there. It was just, it, that was just a fun one for me. I liked the the vibe yeah. of that one a lot. That's one of the more fun ones on the album, despite it being you know heavy subject matter. It's fun. Yeah, exactly. Lost my shape too. You mentioned that one. Um, it's funny because I feel like after Harmless Sparks, when he goes into like when we fell and then lost my shape in a way. Not directly, but in a way, I feel like kind of segues off of when we fell. Like it kind of has this um, psychedelic country vibe. I would I would agree with that as a characterization of that song. Yeah. Another thing on that song, though, he does mention like he he feels like a captain looking for his white whale. Uh, there's Captain Ahab, and and you know, obvious reference to 
Moby Dick, but I feel like Moby Dick makes a lot of references to like the Bible and stuff too, huh? So it's kind of like a third hand reference to yeah. the Bible in a way. Yeah, that's that's interesting. You know, that's a whole new perspective to view that from. There's there's a ship imagery throughout the album. He references it a few times. Like there's another lyric about um uh is a ship without its captain just as doomed as a ship without its crew. Yeah, wait, yeah. that was on um what Bearing Witness or That's on Which... Heavy Breath, I believe. Heavy Breath, the the one after, okay, the one after Bearing Witness. Yeah, I I remember that. I remember that. Um Yeah, so there's there's definitely like and I think the I think the metaphor is kind of powerful. I cuz I think personally as a guy who has who is Mr. Apostate here, like the guy who's left the church and is never going back, like um it's a powerful image of like, yeah, we we are a ship that just recently realized we didn't have a captain. Um, and I think I think that's referenced throughout in a, in a way that that's powerful to me at least. Another thing, particular, this is now a, a, a tangent. Another thing that's particularly powerful to me is just the 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 album name, Curse Your Branches, um, and and the song itself, Curse Your Branches, because um, like you. I was confirmed at I was confirmed at 13. You Catholics did it a little bit later. You Catholics yeah. did it in high I school. I was about 16. Yeah, which kind of makes more sense for what the idea of being confirmed is. It's you being like, "No, I actually do believe." I do this. believe exactly. Yeah. You confirm that you believe in it, yeah. right? But he is um, 13 or even 16. Yeah. I well, I started the process in 8th grade. I was 12, right? 12 or 13. I started No, I started the process when I was 12. But you're not old enough to know anything. You're not old enough to think critically when you're 12. It's bullshit. No. So in, in my church, we were supposed to pick a, a um, confirmation verse. And throughout the Bible, there's, there's this image of, of God being like a, <laughs> it sounds weird to say, but there's image of, God's being a, of God being a plant, right? <laughs> like, yeah, like the burning he, bush. Yeah, he's, he's the burning bush. Or my confirmation verse was, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who remains in me shall bear fruit. Yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. I'm like truncating it there. But um, the fact that like that was my confirmation verse uh, like has an extra gut punch for this album to me. With like the title track, the chorus of the title track saying, all fallen leaves should curse your branches. Like saying curse your God is like some fucking blasphemous shit that like, if you're me and you're coming to this album whenever you're 17 or something and you had just left the church a few years before, it hits so hard. Um, yeah, that's such a, again, that's such a different perspective. Like, I didn't pick up on that at all when I heard that song, but that's such a gnarly perspective because to me, like when he drops the line, every hired gun that I never fired is making love to you while I look on. And then he, he goes to the chorus, all fallen leaves should curse their branches. To me, this song was a shot across the bow of his former bandmates because it was it was kind of clear. I did pick up on the fact that he was he had Pedro the Lion, which was kind of his project. And he was bringing guys in to play on hired it. guns. Yeah, right. I think the hired I think guns. That, I think that like is a there. All the yeah, all that. the hired guns that I never fired. It's like these guys that I brought on uh, wound up like encroaching, but I never fired them. Like I was maybe too nice of a guy, or I didn't realize what they were doing, or this or that. He never fired them. 
are now fucking my thing, my project. Yeah. You know, they're they're fucking you while I look on. It's like th- this is my, you know, like project and you're fucking it up. It's like that's what I picked up from it. Um, but that's so gnarly. You're so right about the religious imagery of like, you know, the vine and of course like uh, you know, the vine and the fruit and and um that's such a gnarly way to view it too. I that's such a new perspective on that as a guy who's like lost his fate. I don't know if you ever saw this, John. Uh, my Facebook profile picture circa 2016, 17, um, was uh, me and David Bazan playing together. Um, I think you showed me this, actually. So the, the story was... So a thing Bazan did after he broke up Page of the Lion was he didn't... Um, you know, when he, he broke up Page of the Lion, he, like, lost his record label. So everything became, like, hyper-independent. And he started touring... Uh, he started touring house shows. But house shows in which he said, yo, I'm gonna be in fucking, like, Chicago on X date. Can someone house me in Chicago? Like, can someone let me play in their living room? And he would do it. He would travel with just him and like one other um, musician for accompaniment. And then they'd play a house show in someone's living room of like stripped down versions of all these Pedro songs. And uh, he would sell tickets to their house. He'd charge like 20 bucks a ticket. But then the perk for the person in the house was like, hey, I got to have Dave Bazan play in my house and I can... uh, bring like as many friends as I want and make this just a party. Uh and my f- friend Brent, um, who I've been writing music with for a long time. Um there's a chance you've met Brent. I don't know, maybe. Um uh lived in Davis and uh he was Bazan's spot every time Bazan went to Sacramento. So Bazan played my friend Brent's house regularly on whenever he was on tour. And so I would just drive up there. And one day I was like, yo, after the show, can we play guitar together? And so we smoked a joint and played guitar together. It was a very chill event. That's cool as shit, dude. Yeah. I was uh, pretty amped when that happened. That's insane, man. I don't think I've ever gotten to play guitar with like one of my heroes. We got to play that song that I was referencing. We played... um. I'm the only one who calls. And it was it was funny. He had forgotten the lyrics. <laughs> well, that's how it goes, man. Well, he uh, he d- that's one of the songs he doesn't normally play anymore. He there's a whole like category of like religious songs he doesn't normally play. Damn. Uh, but there's a super cool video of him playing. He was just playing a bottom of the hill show one night. And he's like, hey, well, I'm playing the last of the religious pager stuff that I don't believe in anymore. And this was like circa 2006. And those videos are out on YouTube. Like really crazy, so like very poignant. And after those songs, some of them, he's like, yeah, you're never going to hear that again. He's never played those since. That's fucking gnarly, man. Uh, I'm going to hit you. Uh, reference a music video is one of the buzzwords. So okay, gonna, that's close. I'm, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to count that. I'm going to count mm-hmm. that. I got to get you, man. There's, there's a couple here. Um... I'm just going to get drunk without these, though. I've been drinking this whole time. 
<laughs> yeah, that's me too. That that's me too. I, I've been sipping on this thing. I've been pouring more and more. This drink of mine is getting uh, higher and higher uh, uh, percentage Bacardi and lower lower percentage <laughs> of uh, seltzer water here as I go. Uh, what so, are you drinking tonight, Robert? Oh, I was actually just about to shout that out. Yeah, so I'm drinking uh, a beer. Well, I actually killed this just a little bit ago, but I I was drinking uh, a beer from my hometown of Livermore, California. Um. Uh, by Shadow Puppet, it is a hazy, hazy session IPA. It was very good. I recommend it. Shadow Puppet is a good brewery. You can get them all around the bay now, which makes me proud of my hometown. Livermore, didn't they do like Atomic Bomb shit up there, or is that? Yes, yeah. If they're if we're ever known for anything, it's uh the Lawrence Livermore Lab. Um, and we have a few elements that were discovered in the Lawrence Livermore Lab. Including Isn't Laurentium, right? You're, you're very close. It's Livermorium. Livermorium, yeah. Yeah, it's go. literally uh, named after my town. Uh, it's one of those elements that like exists for like a millisecond in right, time. Right, you can only right. synthesize it for a hot second. Yeah. Um, well, mention an element with an atomic weight above 100 is one of the buzzwords. I'm Are you serious? No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to be so fucking amped that I got that one. <laughs> No, no, goddamn! I wish I'll drink anyways, we'll and that drink. brings me to what I just opened, which is the king of beers. It's Budweiser. Oh, there you go, man. Good old uh, Budweiser, dilly dilly, man. What's your least favorite track on the album? Ooh, oh, that's interesting. I'll say "Heavy Breath." Um, heavy breath is definitely uh, it's more of a it definitely sounds more fun, more upbeat. Um, and unlike when we fell, as you were mentioning, which like has this like lyrical biting edge to like the upbeatness, uh, heavy breath doesn't, at least to me, definitely it's meant to, but I just don't think they land as hard, yeah. That one's interesting because the intro to me sounded very like 80s new wavy with like the bass and kind of the synth strings. It sounded kind of like new ordery. Uh, and they do something really cool where they kind of alternate between like a halftime, full time kind of thing on the verse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which is super cool. But yeah, like to me, it's like that, like the musical side of it stood out to me in the lyrical shit. I did not take a single note on which is yeah. notable for David Bazan. Like his shit is very lyrics focused. And this one, uh, for me, my notes were 100% musical, 0% lyrics. So yeah, 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 I feel that. I think like it's cool. I like the, da, 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 da. like the, the riff is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, it just doesn't hit that hard. Um, I mean, I get the, the imagery too. Like, do you remember, do you get the reference of what a heavy breath is? No, what is that? That's how God created our soul. <laughs> oh, like he breathed life into the... Yeah. Um, okay, okay. But we got the breath of life from God, whereas the other animals didn't. That's right. us getting a soul. Like, that's the biblical connotation of it, essentially. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, I like that as a reference. Um, because, like, if no heavy breath 
blew up these lungs. I'm like, wow, butchering that. Um, I like, yeah, I think that's that's probably the least one. Uh, I was actually in when I was doing that riff earlier. I was thinking of bearing witness. Um, for some of that, but uh, bearing witness, I had a star on there. Um, that one, uh, I noticed like the intro riff. Uh, it struck me as like a six four kind of thing, oh, and is that, it was. Uh, that's I think that's what they're doing is like a six four. It's like four quarter notes and then two more and then they switch. So I think mm. it's like a six four. It reminded me kind of of like the Beatles a little bit. It's like um, it definitely has a Beatlesy vibe. Yeah, yeah, like almost like and your bird can sing or something. Um, and then he like brings the acoustic guitar in for the verse. Um, this is gonna sound really douchey, but like this one to me was like uh like a song that like I would write. Mm-hmm. That okay, sounds super. That sounds super douchey, but like to me, it's like when I'm trying to write a song, I think of like I want to have like fat electric guitars in the riff, mm-hmm. and then have like acoustic guitar as almost like a percussive instrument during the verse, like kind of in this like niche role. So like hearing him use that like uh, on and off like that in a very defined riff remind me of like some shit that I wrote for like maybe Savage Henry a little bit for like Delta Dagger too like I I was like connecting with David Bazan a lot on his like songwriting like not just his lyrics on this one but on his like uh, application of different instruments at different levels of the mix and like the arrangement I was like very much feeling this one this one was like uh, 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 resonating with my sensibilities, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I definitely see. Uh, this one is also a, a a more musically heavy one that I think works better than than heavy shape. Um, and it makes sense that you're like, yeah, I see myself in that because it has some cool riffs. Right, 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 exactly. Um, but yeah, that's that's a cool one. It's a, definitely another more like upbeat one. Yeah, very much. And it's funny, this is another, to me, this was another turning point on the album where he hits this song and then the next couple of songs kind of have that like, uh, you know, Beatlesy vibe almost. Like Heavy Breath is like kind of new wavy, but still kind of has that like guitar riffy vibe. And then the final song in Stitches, like they have this organ thing going. I don't know. It's like, to me, there was kind of this like theme carried through of like 60s, like kind of psych pop, Brit pop thing that like kind of cropped up for the last couple songs. Yeah. Diluted to an extent, but yeah. Yeah. uh, On Bearing Witness, I definitely feel that Brit pop heavy. Mm -hmm. Definitely by In Stitches, it's like, it's like evaporated a bit. Diluted. Yeah, exactly. Because that one's more of a ballad, like uh, he still brings in the fat organ and hearing the religious context for it makes a lot more sense there. It's like hearing that organ for me upon like first couple listens to me was more of a, it's like, let it be the Beatles, you know, bringing the fat organ or whatever. And it's, uh, it makes more sense now. Yeah. Yeah. Especially that last, that last uh, verse of In Stitches is, is heavy. Um, How does it go? Remind us. Uh, when Job asked you the question, you responded, who are you to question your creator if that one part is true? It makes you sound defensive like you hadn't thought it through. 
or you hadn't had an answer because you might have bit off more than you could chew. Um, which it's is like fucking brutal. The most big middle finger you could give to God. Yeah. It's just it's so it's so brutal. Because the whole story of Job, that that to me is a tough that, thing to overcome. That, as that any, alone, any the of, yeah, the story of Job is enough to be like, fuck this whole religion. It's like <laughs> yeah. even in the, I mean, there's plenty of other texts we can get into in the Bible that you just don't learn in Sunday school that are like terrible. But I still learned the story of Job in Sunday school, and I still shouldn't have stomached that at the time. Um, it's it's terrible. I. Uh, God's an asshole. Um, and uh, this, uh, this song fucking hurts. It's a fucking gut punch. Yeah. So it's a heavy album ender. Um, uh, there was a, I don't know if you saw this, John, in any of your research. There was a documentary made about Bazan recently. Did you see no, that? I didn't see that. Um, it's called the documentary is called Strange Negotiations, if I'm not mistaken, which is the name of the album right after this. Which, John, if you like guitar tone, we could talk so much about John's guitar tone still. Uh, other thing on other things. We um, could. Is would you describe his guitar tone as bright? Yeah, on this album, it's very bright. What else um, would you describe it as? Well, it changes per album. If I yeah. gave you Strange Negotiations. Strange Negotiations, which is the one right after this. Um, he does this very like minimalist, just pushing an amp to its max, but never getting distortion. Um, thing that I think right. you might dig. That sweet spot. The Fender on the Fender Deluxe, I forget how many watts the Princeton has, but the Fender Deluxe you turn it to like four. And it's like just before it breaks up. Yeah, well that's that's where I le- I also learned this tactic from him. I used to do that. I tried to do that with my Fender, uh, with my twin back in the day. It never worked. Ugh, for obvious, I remember obviously. the twin, man. I remember that yeah. fucking thing. Yeah, it's way too loud, but it's yeah. When when you can get it to that sweet spot, and the Klon is very good. Uh, the the Soul Food is very good at like replicating that like edge of breakup, super saturated, really harmonically rich zone. You know, it's it can really get you there. So. I'm going to send you, John, a uh, list of, like, I'm going to give you a playlist after this talk of, of Bazan songs that I think you'd like, but, like, just listen to these. I think you might like them. Yeah. Um, and one of the things I'm going to send you is uh, on the very first Pedro album, uh, when they really get to know you, they'll run. Uh, he has this, he has a song that has this killer guitar tone in the initial recording. When they remastered this recently, like they remastered it in 2012, I believe, they took an even earlier recording. And they claim this is the original recording, even though it's not the one they put out in 96 or whatever. Um, So there's two versions of all the songs that exist online. I'm going to send you the one I prefer. The one on Spotify is their remastering that I don't like as much. I'm going to send you one that has better guitar tones because I'm a snob about the shit. Okay. How would, how would you describe the guitar tones on this? On this album in particular, they're bright. Um, they're definitely clear. They're not, he doesn't use near as much distortion on this album as he would in other albums. 
other albums have a lot dirtier feel. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's part of the, part of the reason is because he uses a lot more uh, piano on this. He does. Uh, I noticed that in like synth bass and stuff. Yeah, like, a lot of synth bass. Machines. And part yeah. of this was also born out of he recorded this in his basement. This was uh, yeah right, in I'm, Seattle. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking at this right now. Uh, on the back of the LP, it says Cursor Branches was recorded by David Bazan in his basin, basement. But also, here's a fun fact for you. Mixed and mastered by T.W. Walsh. Well, T.W. Walsh is the guy a, who was beefing I, with. Exactly. Yeah. I, uh, there may be a trivia question about that later. Um, spoiler alert. Okay. So opposite of Bright, though, like, how would you describe maybe his tone on like a later album or something? Okay, so I'm getting baited here, um, but I'm gonna try to what it's opposite and bright. It's overdriven. Um, okay, uh, you like get closer to a fire, you feel uh, distorted. No, you get closer to a fire. How do you feel? You're Burn. cold. What? You're cold. So you lean into the fire and you feel warm. Warm. Describe the sound as warm. Ding, ding, ding. That is a buzzword. <laughs> I was going to say also, uh, mention the Beatles was one. I'm pretty sure we were talking about the Beatles earlier. I may have brought that up, but, uh, you know, fuck you for engaging me in conversation with that. Blam, blam. Okay. (laughs) Um, The Beatles gear compared to like what David Bazan was using. How would you describe like a a four track, uh, uh, a reel to reel tape recorder uh, verse? Like how how would you describe that gear? That's what the Beatles recorded most of their shit on. How would you describe that gear? Uh, I describe Beatles gear as warm. Uh, Warm. But uh, what other words like, you know, pre like 1985, what would you call that gear? Analog. Uh yes, but also what other words? Oh wow. Vintage? Vintage! <laughs> Say the word vintage is a buzzword. <laughs> um I'm, I'm having to search for these. <laughs> I know. I'm I'm trying to bait you into these. I thought you'd be like hitting all of these. Um how about the uh drum part on on uh what song were you talking about? Which one? Yeah, I don't know. Um, What's your favorite drum part on on this album? My favorite drum part. Um, one of them opens with a drum part. Which one was it? Fuck. One of them opens with like kind of a sick little drum fill. Uh, uh, I, think I think it's towards the end of the album. Right? Oh, no. Uh, In Stitches opens with a drum fill. Okay. Yeah. Um, Describe that drum fill to me. Um... Uh, it's, oh. Okay, that's one. Uh, keep going. Like, what? What does he wh- describe it to me? What does he open with? Oh, okay. Kick. Kick. There. Yes. Okay, so use onomatopoeia and uh, name a specific part of a drum kit or both. Okay, well there we go. Bingo words. Okay. <laughs> I'd have bait you into a couple, man. We had we had gone for a while there. Um. Bro, okay, I've been trying to bait you into this thing for a while here. Like, does this, uh, does David Bazan not remind you a little bit of like Isaac Brock? No, uh, David Bazan, I feel like, is much more understated. I mean, they're both kind of understated in different ways, but, um, I've heard Bazan speak at length 
Um, and he's just like a very soft spoken dude who like doesn't want to hurt anything. Whereas Isaac Brock still has an edge to him. Yeah. Um, but like, I don't know. They're from the greater Washington area. They're, they definitely, I guarantee they have met each other at some point because like, Bazan seems to pop up throughout the music world, even though he has maintained in like a very uh a very loyal cult following and has never been huge. He's popped up all around. Like I've seen him in pictures with all sorts of people, and he seems to be he's a songwriter's songwriter. Right. Like, the songwriters love him. Yeah, um, I was trying to bait you into using the phrase modest mouse, but um... Okay, well, you know, I was like Modest Mouse, the band of Isaac Brock, is a great band. And yeah, I do see some good. similarities, so now I will drink. There's also, his like genre trajectory has been crazy because post, post Cursor Branches, he did like kind of a garage rock album. It was like very political. But then after that, he released a ton of electronica under his own name, too. Um... The best of which is probably uh, Blanco, which is like the, an amalgamation. Yes. To um, an amalgamation of like, he released this two songs every month for a year. And then he compiled his favorites as Blanco. And Blanco is like a full on electronic album. It's like some crazy synthesizers, super cool production. It's huge. It's like this very big electronic album that you would not expect two albums before was making this folk pop or folk punk album as a. As John said about like God, like you wouldn't have expected that birthed this this like electronica fusion shit later. Um, so this guy just keeps evolving and making cool shit. He also I don't know if you in your research for this saw, but he has reformed Page of the Lion in the last. I had seen that. I had seen like Pedro broke up and then they were back together. I wasn't super up on that whole timeline, but yeah. Yeah. So he. In what two thousand probably oh I want to say seventeen, um, he just decided like, hey, I've been under my own name for such a long time, uh, and he lost so many fans for dropping the name, and he's like, I don't know. Like in retrospect, he's kind of like, why did I do that? Like I've still been doing this the whole time, and more people recognize me as Pedro the Lion than they recognize me as my own name. Why don't I go back to that? And so he's like, I'm just going to go back to that. And so he just abruptly chose to do that in 2017. Um, and he's still putting out stuff under his own name, too. But the stuff under his own name is like more electronica, and the stuff under Page of the Lion is more full bandy. I mean, his electronica is sick as shit, too. Like, it's, it's fucking... Uh, like, this album, for instance... Um... Where was the song I put it down? There was one where he did a really cool intro with like this drum machine and an acoustic guitar. Which one was it? Um, oh, I think it's Please Baby Please. Yeah, wait, yeah, wait. Well, that, yeah, that, that has that a killer drum machine. In. It does. It has that drum, drum machine that's like slash a synth. Yeah, it's like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he brings in the acoustic guitar over it. Like, ah, yeah, that that was one. Like his, the electronica that he mixed in on this album was so tasteful. He slowly, if you watch the progression of his solo albums, it slowly becomes electronica. Up until on Blanco, it starts by, wait, there's not a guitar, like, 
anywhere. <laughs> and you realize like this just yeah. became Electronica. Um which is very cool. I got Aiden really into Blanco, I think, for a bit. And uh, I bet, yeah, that's like very L C D sound system. So I I was really into Pink Floyd in like probably early high school. Like super into Pink Floyd. And I remember I used to regularly What about middle school? In middle school? I don't think I knew about it in middle school. What did you listen to in in middle school? Oh, I actually, maybe I would have. Probably eighth grade is when I discovered Pink Floyd. So, eighth grade, okay, talk about your middle school music taste. Hey, there we are. There we are. <laughs> um, I think I probably discovered Pink Floyd in like eighth grade. I got really into classic rock in eighth grade. Um, uh, my middle school music taste was all over the map. Um, but Echoes was probably like, eighth grade year maybe freshman year i'd like listen to that song to fall asleep because it was so long i like could count on myself being asleep by the end of that song um and i have such a weird understanding of that song because of that memory because i like know the first half like first 10 minutes but not the latter half because i always fell asleep to it (laughs) all right I think we're going to jump into the rapid fire questions right now. How should someone listen to this album for the first time? Mm. With a bitterness towards the church. There you go. Have you ever listened to this album under the influence? Yes. What do you think they were under the influence of when they made this? Probably a lot of some sort of scotch or whiskey. (laughs) <laughs> if this album were a beer what would it be Ooh, what was he probably drinking around this time i've i've drank with david bazan um after a different show than the one i mentioned earlier uh he drank ipas then but when he was making this probably still i'm just gonna say like a a good classic like lagunitas ipa fuck yeah Fuck yeah, he's from Seattle, right? He's from Seattle, but I, although that's from Petaluma, I do, I do know that. But yeah. I remember one of the first times I saw him, I was still in high school, and I remember him getting a Lagunitas IPA and making a joke about how much he loved those. Uh, and yeah. I, at the time, I didn't know what a Lagunitas IPA was. I was like nineteen, and I was eighteen or nineteen, um, and like I didn't know what an IPA beer was. <laughs> <laughs> that's fucking awesome would you get intimate to this album no too deep huh yeah but also it's too slow it's just not it's just not the one that's true that's true you'd have to be like dropping eighth notes every now and then yeah. too. this question is one that i've asked on a number of previous programs it may not catch you by surprise but are numbers created or discovered Numbers are discovered. Explain. Oh, I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, no. Oh, I, actually, we think about that question seriously. Um, no, numbers are numbers are created. Okay. I changed my answer. How come? And if you want, I could probably give you. It's because the whole existence has no meaning, and we derive meaning, and we put numbers okay. to it. Fuck yeah, I dig it, dude. Um, you're in the minority. 
on that one. I dig it, man. Final question for you. Uh, does a man with one lung get more high or less high off of a single bong rip? He gets more high, definitely. How so? Um, he's already used to taking in a less, like a lesser amount of oxygen. Um, so he's going to get uh even less, uh, and that will probably amplify the high. Fuck yeah! All right, I like that answer. That's it for the questions. Questions. Uh, are you ready to move on to the trivia? Yeah, let's fucking do it. It's time for trivia. Alright, question number one. What year did the album come out? Oh, I mentioned that earlier, 2009, because I looked at the back of the vinyl, which I'm holding again. Boom. There you go, brother. Alright. What was the iTunes exclusive bonus track for the album? Oh, I do know this. It's The Man in Me. It's a Bob, Bob Dylan cover. Dylan. Yep. It's a right. very good cover. That's, you should listen to that if, if you haven't. I, I actually have not. I need to listen to that. It's, All I know is it's a good I, cover. that song in, um, okay, bonus trivia question. This wasn't on there. What movie was that song in? Bitch, Big Lebowski. Yeah, there you, you go. Woman like you yeah. get through to the man in me. Okay. Uh, Here's another. This is a real trivia question. Uh, question number three: Bazan uh, released the Man and Me cover as a single with a B side. What was the oh, B shit. side to that single? Oh, it was also shit. a cover. It was also a cover. Oh no! Shit. Was it was a cover? Um, my okay. I'm gonna guess because I know this is a cover that I don't think I've ever heard, but I know he did it. Um, a cover of "Change My Mind" by The Killers. Not quite, man. It was oh. Hallelujah by Leonard Cohen. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Have not listened to that one myself either, but um interesting. Interested to hear that. Um, I think I, I saw him perform that actually. Oh I didn't I didn't know he had a recorded version, but I saw him perform it. And it would have been around that time. Yeah, that makes sense then. I, I mean, that's a great song, too. Honestly, yeah, it's uh, honestly, it's so trite to cover that. But when you it do is. it well, you do it well. Yeah, like, like that's super trite. But also when you're David Bazan, I'm sure you could do a very poignant cover of that one. Yeah, I think um, when I saw it, when I saw him do it, I explicitly remember him writing his own verses. I don't know if that uh, I don't remember what he said at all. Right. I saw it live when I was what 18 or something. But I don't remember what he said. Um, but I would imagine that his in, in his recorded version, he'd have written his own verses too. Side note, he has a really, really haunting version of Silent Night out there on his Christmas album, um, which is honestly not his best Christmas releases. Every year he released a Christmas song as Pedro the Lion, and then he made an album years later. The album's not that good, but side note. Um, the album has a version of uh, Silent Night that he has changed the lyrics to that's fucking dark. Damn. Makes sense for him. Yeah. I'm going to implore you again to listen to the Delta Dagger Christmas single that came out. No, yes, I'm going to. 
Okay. Next question. <clears throat> what score does the album have on Metacritic? Do I have to guess that? Yeah. Oh, I don't even... Uh. I, I figured you'd know every basically everything about this album, so I threw some hard ones on there. I have no idea, because I think of Metacritic as actually for movies and video games. I didn't know they did albums. They do. Uh, he scored an 82 out of 100. A perfect, okay. a perfect score. Okay. I'm, I mean, it, it is a passing grade. <laughs> <laughs> the perfect score is in, I don't think there exists in a 100 out of 100. So, um, next question. Who mixed and mastered the album? P.W. Walsh. That's right. That's right. Um, uh, side note, do you know about his, have you, did you uncover his beef, beef with Pitchfork? No. Tell me about that. He has some hardcore beef with Pitchfork. Um, fuck Pitchfork. Yeah, he... Uh, Pitchfork, every album they he released as Pedro the Lion back in the day, they would review it as, this is bad, and then said the last album was better. And then <laughs> did that every time for three albums straight. Uh, That's such like, like a... Just- that's such like a 95 IQ like music take is just say like this shit sucks. The last album was better. Like that's some shit that any idiot would buy is like, oh, this guy knows what he's talking about. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, and he got that time and time again. And it's funny. You can go back and look at those. And uh, he has an, a song on re-mentioning uh, fewer moving pieces, the album. Or fewer broken pieces. I don't know what it's called. I get the song and the album confused. It's both. Uh, According to his lyrics, it's like one and the same. That's true. But on on that album, he has a song called Selling Advertising that is meant to be entirely a middle finger to Pitchfork. That song (laughs) itself is a middle finger to Pitchfork. And it's referring to Pitchfork being just a marketplace for selling advertising. Like This is a dumbass fucking website. Um, and he also, in an extremely biting, bizarre move, he ties that to Christians at some point. He says, just like Christians, essentially, they're just selling advertising. Christians are just here to be like, look, I'm Christian, but not like live any of the values. Yeah. Like, it's a, he turns it biting. It's a good song. That's dope, dude. You're going to like the next Delta Dagger record. Final trivia question. Mm. Where was David Bazan from originally? Ooh, Phoenix. Phoenix AZ, baby. The Windy City. That is not the Windy City, but good, good, good effort. You're right. No, no, no. Uh, the Big Apple, Phoenix, Arizona. You're right. That's what we call Phoenix, Arizona. No, 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 no. Uh, the City of Angels, Phoenix, Arizona. Yep. We actually call them both those. Actually, take it. We, we call them all those things. Phoenix, Arizona. The heart of the United States. The city of brotherly love. Yep. City of lights. The big easy. Okay. <laughs> um, fuck. Okay. What the hell were we going to talk about here? That was all the trivia. Holy shit. Okay. That's it. <laughs> we're done, bro. That's it. That's the episode. We did it. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm going to read you off the buzzwords. You actually got a fuck ton of them. 
Okay, cool. In the end, I got him. Yeah, so the buzzwords today, uh, name another Pedge of the Line member. You got use an onomatopoeia. You got, I didn't call you on that one, but I know you got it for sure. Um, talk about your middle school music taste. You got mention a time signature other than 4-4. You got mention a specific guitar. You got mention a band you used to be in. You got refer to an album made post-1990 as a record. You got. Use the phrase ahead of its time you did not get. Mm. Uh, recite lyrics you got. Mention the Beatles you got. Mention Modest Mouse you got. Say the word drink you got. Mention a part of a drum kit you got. Tell a drinking story you got. Describe a sound as warm you got. Mention a music video you got. Mention folk punk you did not get. I tried really hard to bait you into it. I could not get you. You eventually mentioned it, but only after I mentioned it. Um. Use the word super as a prefix you did not get. Uh, say the term vintage you got, but say the term trippy you did not get. So there you go. This is, okay. I got to say, this is the most that anyone's ever gotten besides, I think, Chris Sharma. Chris Sharma got all 20. Chris Sharma, um, his thing is he told me, like, I want to hit all 20. So he hit, like, a fuck ton of them. And then at the end, he was just like, uh, before you end me, like, how do I hit every single one of them? And I just ran him through every single one of them. So <laughs> it was pretty great. Um, dude, holy shit. That's it, man. That's all I got for you. Um, I feel like this is going to be a bummer of an episode for people. The parts you end up cutting in are just going to be like, Christianity sucks, bro. <laughs> yeah, this one, like, I'll figure it out. I'm sorry. It's going to be a fuck ton of editing. <laughs> It'll be fine, dude. I'll I'll fucking figure it out, man. Um fuck. That that's all I got for you, man. This has been an enlightening conversation. I'm excited to uh re-listen to this one with like some new perspectives on this music. Um any final words you got for the audience? Mm. Uh listen to Bazaar. Uh it's he's a damn fine musician. Um Thanks for listening. If you've gotten to this point, uh, we are a drunk mess. That's fun. Um, yeah, uh, keep listening to John's podcast because I think this is a hilarious, fantastic idea for a podcast. Like the second I saw the first episode, I was like, "This is a brilliant idea." Um, yeah, keep listening if he keeps making it. That's what I have to say. Oh yeah. Thank you, Robert, for the endorsement. Again, check out Robert's music, Spurt's music. Um, and if you liked what Robert had to say today, you can check out his episode as well on Sounds for Thought, the sister pod with Schultze, where Robert talks about his own music, which, like, if David Bazan's shit sounded interesting to you, check out Robert's music, please. Like, there's a lot of shit that, like, carries over from David Bazan into Robert's music, I feel like. But also, like, this whole other dimension. Like, that's the thing, is it was not a... Uh, listening to this was not a... Uh, there's a lot more going on. Go check out Spurts, for sure. If you like this shit, you'll like Spurts. And uh, there's a lot more going on than just this. So, go check that out. All right. Uh, adios, muchachos. Um, it's probably fucking... St. Patrick's Day by the time this comes out. So uh, happy, <laughs> happy St. Patrick's Day. Adios. Get the fuck out of here. Go listen to the fucking, go listen to all the uh, redefining record shit. Follow us all.
uh, listen to all of our music, download our shit. Goodbye. Happy holidays. Bye. Hurts. Mm-hmm.